Luis Guillorme drawing a 22-pitch walk in spring training. The boys go wild. We'll dive into the Mets' death chart. Also, who will be the Mets' fifth starter? We're excited to chat with a former Mets all-star pitcher and now a baseball operations advisor with the Mets. It's the great Southpaw, Al Leiter, joining us. All that, plus the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy, next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Crazy, yo. Mets take the field. So amazing, amazing but true, orange and blue, so amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks, it's out of here. We got you. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast on the New York Post. It's Jake Brown here, Nelson Figueroa there. You can follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at FiggyNY. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. Listen, Amazing But True is free. It is free of charge for your listening pleasure. So you get it on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, NYPost.com, wherever you listen. But make sure you rate us and review us. Excited to chat later with one of my favorite pitchers as a kid, Figgy, Al Leiter. I mean, this guy locked down. He pitched in so many big games. You know, 2000 World Series with the Mets, the famous, you know, wild card game against the Reds might have been his big time shining Mets moment. But he had so many over his career with a bunch of different teams looking forward to chatting with him. But who would have thought, Figgy, we'd be starting off this week of amazing but true talking about a walk in spring training. But we have to because it's something that kind of brought the team together on Sunday. 22 pitch at bat for Luis Guillorme. Drawing a walk, and the reaction you see from the team is why I think a lot of Mets fans are excited about this team because, Figgy, there's a lot of likable guys. There's going to be guys with certain roles. Guillaume's going to have an important one as a utility infield guy off the bench, but to see the, what Dom's reaction and Pete clapping and you got guys going crazy about a meaningless walk in a meaningless spring training game, we might be overreacting to it, but it was a kind of a cool moment here in March. No, I don't think you're overreacting to it. By the way, hello, world. Uh, Nelson Figueroa here after Jake gets to speak. I want to tell you guys something about what matters in spring training. What matters in spring training is this kind of an effort where you're facing a guy who throws 102 miles an hour, who has nasty stuff, and it was an 0-2 count right away. Then you're looking 20 pitches later, and he's still up there and works out a walk. So when you say meaningless meaningless is kind of you know hitting a ball and kind of jogging through the base and even if you have a great game that at bat tells me as a manager as a coach as a front office that's the guy I want up with the game on the line against a closer again that's who we faced was Jordan Hicks against a closer who will take that kind of at bat and that kind of the way that he went about going and getting after every single swing there was protection swings there was you know trying to go deep once he got to that mode, it was going to be a battle to the end. And he won that battle. And the team appreciated that. If you look at Dom Smith's reaction, he was blown away. You're looking at 22. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in this day and age, especially because guys are like, so what? I struck out three pitches. I'm in or out of, in or out of the dugout. I love the fact that Guillaume is trying to not just prove. We know what kind of hands this guy has. He keeps making highlight play after highlight play, no matter where you put him. He had a really good season going last year, and then all of a sudden was the odd man out. I root for guys like this. I was a guy like this, where all you're doing is every single game, every opportunity you get, 
proving that you belong. I was very uncomfortable with a lot of the signings that they did where you're like depth, depth, more depth. And there was some depth that have, you know, better pedigrees, have been all stars in the major leagues before. But this guy was born and raised in this Mets system and has gone through every single step and has not been given the opportunity that he deserves as of yet. And I mean, credit to the guys that are on the field ahead of him. But I am very comfortable with Luis Guillaume starting if somebody, you know, needs a rest. I'm very comfortable with Guillaume coming in to pinch hit. He has earned for me a spot just on that at bat alone. He has earned a spot over some of the guys that they went out and signed. And, you know, if it's uh, an opportunity where you can cut ties with some of these older guys that, you know, you, you think maybe can, you know, still have a little bit of magic, I'm keeping Guillaume just based off of yesterday. And if anyone goes down, he's your guy. Jonathan VR is going to be right there with him. Those are kind of your guys who... Fill in a second, fill in a third. Guillaume, if Lindor ever went down, I mean, I'm expecting Lindor, Figgy, to play 155 to 160 games. I mean, you don't want days with Lindor out of the lineup. Uh, Guillaume's going to have a role, man, and I think he's late games. He's going to come into games. You know, he's he's a guy you can root for after, you know, he couldn't hit a lick, and last year he showed he could hit a little bit too. So if he's given a chance, he could hit, and I think if, if he wants a chance to play, he's going to have to show that he could – do that and listen he should have pulled to Brandon Nimmo and ran a first on that walk because he deserved it when you were sitting that long at the plate I, I know I keep saying meaningless it's just because the result of the game and the bat literally means nothing in terms of you know the Mets winning and losing ball games that's important it's showing that you know he cares and he knows that he's got a fight to get playing time so I and listen Dom Smith's reaction was turned into a gif Dom Smith became the Mets Twitter avatar I mean everything about Dom Smith you just love and this team clearly has, you can see early, the camaraderie of a team that you can root for and that has a chance to succeed. And I think that's what a lot of people love about the Mets. From Dom, you love Pete. Nimmo running. Now, Guillaume, I think McCann's a really likable guy and a guy who could throw guys out, which Mets fans have missed. Conforto's a lovable guy. Lindor, I bought a Mr. Smile shirt at Dick Sporting Goods over the weekend at the Roseville Field Mall. How about that? I was inside a mall for the first time in, in decades, and uh, I bought a Mr. Smile Indoor short. So a lot of smiling guys and a lot of cool characters, and that's what makes the Mets so fun to root for and more fun to root for this year and last year is I, th I think there's a lot of guys that you could say, you know what? I could buy this guy's jersey. Yeah, that's what a lot of people always thought about the Mets, right? And whether it was smiles or whether it was gutsy, gritty play, it wasn't the highest paid players in the game. That wasn't what the Mets were about. It was always how this band of brothers would side together and figure out ways to win ball games. And even though you may have one or two superstars, and the Mets always did, they kind of went in that direction of getting those superstars who were past their prime and putting on a Met uniform. We're not looking at that anymore. Adrian right? Gonzalez, cough, cough, Adrian Gonzalez. <laughs> we're looking at, we're looking at, a bunch of guys who truly enjoy being around each other and root for each other, even if they're not in the starting lineup. To have a guy like Pete Alonso, who sets the rookie home run record, be like, yeah, I'm struggling a little bit, and I'm so excited for Dom Smith, the success he was having last year. And, and that's what you look for, is guys that can take themselves and, and that selfishness of, you know, my playing time, my results. Because in the team element, if you aren't winning, no one cares. So even though there's smiles going around, you like to see them enjoying and playing baseball, and they're playing the game the right way. Um, so it's not a lot of bat flips and, oh, well, let's see who has a better bat flip. It's, let's see who, you know, can show up the other team. 
that's not what I think this team is about. And I love the fact that I think that comes from up top. That comes from Rojas and, and his relationships with these players coming up. They're very comfortable around him. It's not where they're trying to, you know, we're not really sure how to react to something like this. They were going nuts on the bench, and Rojas was a part of it as well, I'm sure, because you want to feel that energy. You want to be able to be that same way in the pressure cooker situation of trying to win that playoff game, and here comes Guillaume against the closer. You'll go back to this moment and be like, hey, he's done it before, he'll do it again. I think when this team wins... And the hope is this year it's going to be electric. I think it's just it's so fun already with this team that if they could just string some wins together, put a you know it's a game of win streaks, a couple of big win streaks this season in a very tough division, and we'll preview the season more in depth the next two weeks as we get you ready for April first opening day. Boy, it's so close. The sun is shining. It was sixty last week. I was out in shorts, bro. I was in a jersey and shorts. I got tan on my roof. I never would have saw it coming before spring even arrived. Got a little burnt. Looked like I made a trip to the Red Lobster with some cheddar biscuits. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the Spanish Academy word of the week. Cheddar biscuits um, or Red Lobster. Uh, so, I mean, listen, it's baseball is in the air. And, you know, the big debate, as you know, we've talked about the defense being a worry. You know, we're excited about the team chemistry. We're excited about the lineup. I think one through eight, Figgy, this offense is pretty stacked, especially if McCann could give you something out of what might be the eight spot right next to J.D. Davis. The next question, we talked a little bit about the bullpen, is fifth starter. Because we always said David Peterson, David Peterson, David Peterson. But David Peterson, listen, we, we talk about spring training stats not mattering a lot. But when you're fighting for a spot, they do matter a little bit. And David Peterson had what he called an unacceptable outing the other day. So he's your fifth guy, but the Mets brought in depth in case he is not. So that's the question, Figgy, right now for you, for the Mets, for all of us. Is it going to be him as the fifth guy? Is it going to be Jordan Yamamoto, who has put up a 108 ERA, 1.08 over three outings this spring? Or is it going to be somebody else like Joey Lucchesi, who's pitched pretty well? So it's not a bad problem to have when you got three guys competing for one spot. But I don't think David Peterson's the surefied fifth starter right now for this team. Yeah, and I'm not in panic mode over it either. We're talking about the fifth starter, and that's a fifth starter until June, right? Because <laughs> when Syndergaard comes back, and hopefully he's back closer to the beginning of June, then later on it has no setbacks. You're not really worried about it. Peterson did very well in his debut last year. You saw a lot of good things about him. With not having an overpowering fastball, he was able to pitch with a three-pitch repertoire and move the ball around, and he had that it factor because he was unfazable. I think he had one bad outing, and he bounced right back from that bad outing. What I love about him is accountability. What did he say? It's a spring training game where most guys are like, oh, I'm working on stuff. I'm trying some things. I'm tinkering with my mechanics. No, he said it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable my performance thus far. And you love that accountability. So that, to me, no matter what his outing was like, ticks the box on a good day. That's what I want from my guys. I want my guys to be accountable for what they can control is their effort, their their ability to execute pitches. He was not on. He continues to work. He continues to try and get better. And I like what I saw from him last year. Yamamoto has been interesting because we know a few things when these sabermetric guys who you know liked him a lot because his slider was one of the lowest batting average against in, in all of baseball when he threw his slider. 
you have to be able to throw something else other than a slider. So he's been pitching really well and using that wipeout slider to get a lot of outs. So it's not just a one-trick pony where he's out there for one inning at a time. You like what you've seen out of him because he's been able to mix in his other pitches and do really well. He's having really good success. So, again, you might strike while the iron's hot and let him ride out. If Peterson goes down, and all these guys have options, which is great, right? There's, the team is so young that uh, as a fifth starter, it's not a 35-year-old veteran, <laughs> you know, like somebody else, where you're going to have to sn- sneak them through who, waivers. Wait, 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 hold on. Who, who is your coughing and didn't even throw a name at me? What, what's the 35-year-old veteran? Give me an example. Give you an example? Like myself. Someone like myself oh, who's going for that fifth starter spot right. where they were like, hey, listen, we're going to have to sneak this guy through waivers, even though he has a zero ERA in spring training. We'd love to have him as insurance. That's not where you're at with the Mets right now. You're talking about three guys who are under the age of 26 uh, fighting for the fifth spot. And again, it's just a placeholder guy until Syndergaard comes in and and is that X factor for the team. Because if he's a healthy Syndergaard and back to his uh, previous self, uh, that's an amazing boost for the team all the way around. You have options. These guys can go down. And you're going to have to have two of them probably go down. Or one of them go down and then the other one be the second lefty in the bullpen. You only have one lefty for sure in the bullpen. But if you have both of the other guys go down and they get stretched out, then they're going to follow wherever you know the starters are so that they're able to jump in in a starter's role if someone gets hurt. You're not worried about in the middle of May, oh, well, now we got to stretch this guy out. He can only go three innings because he's been relieving in the minor leagues. So there's a lot of little things that are going to go into it that may not make sense. And I've been on the butt end of that many times where, hey, I outpitched all these other guys, but, you know, there's guaranteed contracts, there's options, there's not wanting to just release somebody and and pay a release somebody too soon. All those things will factor in. I I do like that it's a competition and these guys are taking it serious. So I love it each and every time one of these guys is out there. I'm I'm watching, you know, very closely to see, you know, if anybody has taken a a leg up. Yeah. And having the minor league season figgy is important because remember they just had the alternate site and it's like, there's only so much you can do at an alternate site that you're not going up against guys. Essentially you're just playing each other. It's like a game in the backyard with your boys, except it's at whatever MCU park and you're getting a Coney Island, uh, hot dog n- next door. If they're even open and, by the way, Nathan's fries overrated. Sorry, I have to say I had to uh-huh, let that out. We, we talk. People are obsessed with. I mean, they're okay, but like, I don't know. I'd rather have like a curly fry than Nathan's fries. They're too potatoy. Um, speaking of that, by the way, cheddar biscuits in Spanish. I looked up bizcochos de queso cheddar. That's yeah, see, enough. that's too easy for you. When it comes to food objects, I think you, it's too easy. I, I can't give, give you a food object. Yeah, I guess I envisioned it in my mind about going my belly <laughs> and raising my BMI even higher. That it just it's just easy for me to say in Spanish. Then, uh, anyways, the Mets have the fifth starter. They get the, you know they're talking about Miguel Castro out of the bullpen, refining his changeup. Hold the horses. <laughs> I saw a lot of Miguel Castro I did not like last year when the Mets got him. Although it was a small sample size, we'll see. Adding a changeup at your guy who threw a little bit of a changeup, maybe that does help him because he was very much this fastball slider guy. Maybe you could talk about that. Adding that third pitch, maybe that, you know, when he goes from 100 on a fastball, 99 to an 89 mile an hour changeup, maybe Miguel Castro does become a middle reliever with Trevor May. That could be an integral piece of the bullpen. I mean, the Mets kind of, it was a questionable trade, trading your minor league pitcher of the year to get him. But listen, we, I guess we got to see a full sample size and a full season out of him, Figgy, because he could be a piece in this bullpen, especially until Seth Lugo gets back. Oh, yeah. He's got, a, he's got plus stuff, right? He's got a, a plus arm throwing 100 miles an hour, a wipeout slider. Um, when you're a two-pitch pitcher, 
again, you become a little bit predictable about when you're going to use those pitches, right? So sometimes he has to have the ability to pitch backwards. When you're in that pressure cooker situation that he was normally in because they wanted to see if he could handle that kind of a late inning role. He's not in those, you know, middle innings with nobody on, nobody out. Let's just go three up, three down. They were trying to put him in with, you know, guys on base and in big situations. Adding a third pitch to me just makes you more valuable, uh, unpredictable. Now with the with the changeup, he can face lefties, perhaps, and you're not looking because remember you have to face three hitters, and it's no longer the one hitter at a time kind of thing. So it's just going to increase his value. So a command of a changeup, and that's what you like behind this coaching staff. This coaching staff was put together from pitching coach to uh, the pitching strategist. All these guys work in concert together to develop game plans for each and every one of these guys to be successful. And if you can harness what they do naturally and able to tinker a little bit and get some results about pitch development and design, making a ball move differently than it has before, then no matter who has faced him before is all of a sudden for a surprise because the ball is going to move differently. And it, sometimes it's just a grip. Sometimes it's just a thumb placement. Sometimes it's just, you know, uh, an arm angle, uh, just a, a, a mindset of how to release a ball that will change everything for a guy. So Castro, when it comes to 100-mile-an-hour arms, you stock up on those, and, and I was all for it then, and you had a two-year uh, window with him. So let's see, year two, I think it could be a big, a, a, a big fit. Aaron Loop is another guy that I wasn't very high on it. I was always, you know, I was thinking Justin Wilson because he's done it before. He's been in a New York Met uniform and we liked what we saw out of him. I was looking for a bigger name, you know, Brad Hand and all those guys. However, Loop has done very well. He's another guy who not reinvented himself, but harnessed what he was capable of doing. And I've liked what I've seen out of him thus far in spring training as well. So I, I like the depth in the bullpen, and again, when Seth Lugo comes back, you're talking about having a, a, a huge addition to the bullpen. It, you know, it's very similar to similar going into the starting rotation. That's two big pieces that you're going to have in June. So if the Mets can keep pace, um, you know, that, that's something that can really put them in that, like you said, an ability to have a winning streak and a long winning streak. A long winning streak right now these days is going to be five games in a row. You win five games in a row, it's a big deal. You get to those seven, ten what was that one by the uh, Indians a few years ago, 22? Not looking for anything otherworldly like that, but if you can string together some five-game winning streaks, you know, maybe you lose the next two, but put together another four or five, you know, that puts you in, in very good position because I think you get, there's a mindset of going to the ballpark. We're winning this game today no matter what. There's a way that they can find to win every game now with the depth that they have. That was the Nelson Figueroa Baseball Academy. Now <laughs> we got to go to the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. It's next right here on Amazing But True. Bienvenidos, mis amigos. Soy Nelson Figueroa, tu maestro. In other words, I'm Nelson Figueroa. I'm your teacher. It's the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy here with Jake Brown, trying to see if Jake can become a little bit more cultured, especially when it comes to baseball, in the form of Spanish. Today's phrases, our first one is going to be starting pitcher. It's lanzador titular. Oh my goodness gracious. You knew this one was going to get me. <laughs> starting pitcher. All right, let's start it, start it again. Lanzador titular. Lanzador titular. One more time. Lanzador titular. Lanzador. Lanzador. <laughs> Lanzador titular. Not, not bad. That's not bad. See, I, I figured you'd get that one. The second Wait, part is of it that was... Lanzador? No, Lanzador. Lan, Ador. Lanzador. Like, 
Not Lance Lindor, but Lanzador. Lanzador. Titular. Titular. There you go. Oh, that was easy on fire. On fuego. <laughs> now, in honor of the 22-pitch at bat, we saw Luis Guillorme take yesterday. He's been known as the bearded magician because he has such good hands, his sleight of handwork in defense. So the bearded magician, El Mago Barbudo. Oh, my goodness. El, El Mago Barbudo. <laughs> I told you, you're way better at the phrases. El Mago Barbudo. El Maga Barbudo. <laughs> I like how you had the extra a- accent on there. Barbudo. El Margo Barbudo. El Margo. You do like a little like tongue action, like El Margo, Margo Barbudo. If you didn't know, that's one of the keys to Spanish is being able to do things with your tongue. Pause. El Mago Barbudo. <laughs> El Mago Barbudo. There you go. The it's, bearded it's my, magician. It's my rapping abilities. Give me the phrases, but the words. It is. You're really good at the phrases because you kind of have that musical ability to kind of bounce on each one of those words. But when it comes to just a single <laughs> a single word, just say barbudo. Barbudo. Oh, not bad. Not bad. If it had a rolled R in it, though. Oh, that's where you get me. All right. So let's go through the academy thus far. We've had spring training, which was El Trenamenio. <laughs> that one will forever get me. El Trenamenio. El Trenamenio. El Trenamenio, right? Nope. What is it? <laughs> Entrenamiento. Entrenamiento. You'll never get it. Next one. All right. Good morning, my neighbors. Buenos dias, mis vecinos. Mm-hmm. Right, got that one. Then overreact. I don't even know if I should try it. If you missed it last week, you listen. But it was something like sobre reaccionar. Not bad. See, you, at least you do it with some gusto. You're yeah. doing it with some flair. I'm good with the with the flair and the gusto. And then inject me with the vaccine. My favorite one. Inyectame con la vacuna. Listen, I had so many people reach out to me, cracking up over that one because it. First of all, it hit you very easy, and it was so you, you related to it so well that I think it's now part of your vernacular. They came at me and they're like, "Does it sound like he's saying a kuna matata to you?" Yes, it did. Vacuna matata, <laughs> vaccines, <laughs> Pfizer or Moderna, ain't no other day. Uh, okay, and then today's starting pitcher, one more time. Lanzador titular. Lanzador titular. Beautiful. And then the bearded magician. <laughs> El mago barbudo. El maga barbudo. <laughs> Margo. El ma- Margo. El mago. Uh, mago. <laughs> I was thinking of something else. El Margo <laughs> barbudo. No R, no R. Mago. M-A-G-O. El mago barbudo. El mago barbudo. There you go. All righty. There it is. Another trip down to the Nelson Figaro of the Spanish Academy. We'll switch back to English and Anglais. How do you say English again? That's in French. It's Anglais. Inglés. Inglés? Yep. That's it. Oh, wow. I'll go back to Inglés. Con la alighter. Is that is that right? With the alighter? Con la? Oh, boy. Right. Not la, because he's a man, but go ahead. Con le? Con la? Con la? <laughs> Con el lanzador titular. I just want to say, I just want to say, Conyo, the words of Jason Derulo's hit TikTok song. <laughs> Conyo Alighter next on Amazing But True. Joining us now is a left-handed pitcher that was an integral part of the 2000 Mets that would win the National League pennant. Boy, did I love watching him pitch as a kid. He pitched seven seasons in Queens. He won 162 games. 
over 19 seasons in the big leagues, made two all-star teams in 96 and 2000, won three World Series titles in 92 and 93 with the Jays, and then in 97 with the Marlins. He pitched a no-hitter for the Marlins in 96. He won the Roberto Clemente Award in 2000 with the Metsies. He's now a baseball operations advisor for the Mets and can, of course, be seen on MLB Network. It's a great Southpaw, number 22, Al Lighter. Al, it's Jake Brown and Nelson Figueroa. Welcome to Amazing But True. How are you, man? That's very nice. That That's about as good an introduction as anybody can have. So, Jake, I appreciate it. I'm still <laughs> pissed off that we didn't beat the Yankees in 2000, but uh, oh well. 20 years now, Figgy. How about that, guy? <laughs> 20 years. Flew by, and yet every day you still think about you, how Jake, mad it when makes you, you that you didn't Jake, when you, dropped, when you dropped on me, like, oh, my favorite. When I was just a little kid, I had a little binky in my mouth. I used to watch Ryder Pitt. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Does that make, you feel, oh make you feel old, Al, a little bit? Yes. I'm going to say, yes. No, not really. I get it. <laughs> but I did. I don't know who I was talking to recently. I guess we, we got gypped on some sort of 20th, you know, gathering uh, reunion kind of thing. Because, um, you know, obviously everybody got gypped last year with uh, 20 years. But, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies, huh? Yeah. I, I was nine then. So, I, you know, I hadn't cursed. I hadn't kissed a girl. I was still eating chicken fingers. A little past fries. your pinky days, right? Yeah, a little past. You know, I, I might have had a diaper a little. I actually hit puberty at nine, but that's a story for another oh, podcast. Oh, here we uh, go. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I still haven't hit it. <laughs> uh, speaking of puberty, your son is, uh, I don't know, that's a terrible transition, but uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> no, I got it, I got it. <laughs> your son is essentially dominating. I mean, he's got that eye of the tiger out on the mound at Vanderbilt. He's awesome to watch, just his highlights and stuff. Uh, does does he get it from you? Does he get it from someone else? Uh, talk about your rave about your son a little bit, Jack. Uh, but hey, puberty is uh, is apropos because he was a late bloomer, and uh, by the time uh, you know things started uh, really working for him. But the one thing that that Jack always uh, expresses now is that when he was in youth baseball, and I try to convey this to parents and kids, if they're not the best kid on the team, and you know seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade, even eleventh grade, it's okay. You know, bust your tail, have a good process, have a good routine, work your, you know, work, uh, put your head down, and who knows, you know, whether it's where baseball takes you. With Jack, yes, thank you, Jake. It, it has been a thrill. I've been able to watch him, um, like most parents uh, have kids, no matter what they do, to watch somebody who you love so much do something that they love. And it happens to be that he pitches. And, uh, yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He looks he looks good. You say late bloomer, but the kid's throwing 100 miles an hour. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to imagine. He, I think you know, it was a juice gun, Figgy. <laughs> he doesn't set- – Hey, man, I love my kid, but he doesn't throw 100. I don't know what the hell. I think we'd be throwing 105. I'd be throwing 105 if the damn guns were. <laughs> and the juice and the oh balls and God. the guns. Wow, everything's good. I don't kids. know. How does every single – every gun in the big league throw 95 to 100? Get out of here. I don't know. This- Let's go down to minor league games and I'd see – you know, watch some games and say, well, how'd you, you know, next day, how'd, you know, what do you think? Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, I got my pitches in and I threw some, uh, whatever. Like, they'll give me a velocity. I'm like, dude, you went four and a third and gave up four. I'm not trying to be a jerk. But you're you're you consider that good? Like, isn't the 
the idea here is to like you know throw up goose eggs and try to throw a shutout and work your way back. I remember Tom Seaver used to tell me you know he'd start with a no hitter when when that's broken up he'd go to a shutout. If a shutout was broken up he'd go to a complete game and you know he'd just work his way backwards. Now that's Tom Seaver, um, but I like that mindset of if you're a starting pitcher like yeah no five innings. Blake Snell, I'm sorry, third time around, you take him out, get out of here with 74 pitches. So whatever. I I don't want to do the grumpy old man thing, but, you know, it's your game and uh, get after it, man. Goose Gossage is on the line with us now. Um, Goose, uh, no, Uh, yeah. (laughs) yeah, no, 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 I'm not going there. Al, just know after all this sun gushing in 10 years when we talk to you, you will no longer be Al Leiter. You'll be Jack's dad. That will essentially be your title, uh, especially. I hope so. <laughs> and it's already happening, Jake. All right. Yeah. So, so he's going to pay to put you in a nursing home in, in 25 years. So that, ah, that's what's important. Be- that's what my dad always says to me. My parents are like, I hope you do well. And then you can put us in a nursing home later. I'm like, well, thanks. Um, anyways, we're talking to Al Leiter here. Talk about your role with the Mets uh, as a baseball operations advisor. What does that mean? What are you doing? I know you were down in Florida for a little bit. Uh, talk about that. It's not very defined. I- I'll be completely honest with you. I, I am appreciative of now uh, Sandy Alderson. So I, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, with Brody Van Wagenen and Alec Baird, they thought it was a good idea. I like the idea as well. It, there's There's a lot of flexibility to just being another voice in the room. There's, it's really it's really not much more than that. When you think about these titles, I don't care from general manager, assistant general manager, scouting directors, pro, pro directors, uh, cross checkers, you know, all of it under the umbrella. What are we talking about when it comes to not only baseball, but just sports in general? When you have a room of people, uh, analytics included, wh- what is it? What's the essence of, of what, what you're trying to accomplish? I, mean, I threw a rhetorical question out there. It's, it's, to, it's, to, it's to get opinion. You, we could kick around here on your show, right? We'll, mm-hmm. ki- we'll kick around. Hey, uh, so do you like Lindor? Do you want to sign him to a long-term deal? Go ahead, right. Biggie. Yes, absolutely. All right. So uh, is it, do you want to give him 10 years, 7 years, 8 years? How much? Why? How come? What do you like about him? What do you don't like about him? If you do extend it out to 10 years, uh, he's a skill position guy that relies on his hands and his athleticism. You know, what does that look like at 35, 36, 37? Are you worried? You know, all it is is just opinions, right? You know, look, look I watch it with my son and Biggie. We experienced it as players. When, you, when you're when you scouted, quote unquote, you get the local guy. He comes in. What is he? He's a scout. What is he? He's got eyeballs. He's looking at talent. He has opinions. He likes somebody. Then who comes in? Another opinion. Another guy. He's what? East Coast cross checker. Oh, okay. What did he do? Hey, he played a little bit here or there, and he's a scout. And he looks at the guy and goes, yeah, I like him too. Guess what happened? Here comes the national cross-checker, and he comes in. So now there's three guys. Guess what they are? They're opinions. They're eyeballs. There's, there's voices. There's, and then that guy says, yeah, I like him too. And then guess who comes in the end? The scouting director slash maybe the general manager. And then it's another dude with another opinion. That's all it is. In a, ra- in a very long, convoluted way, it's just it's just a uh, advisory role to, I would like to think my perspective of having been in the game since what 1984 I got to the big leagues in 87 with the Yankees I think of the lineage of the tutelage that I was able to see firsthand and guys that took me under their wing
Manning, Dave Rigetti to start with, Ron Guidry. I adored those guys and I, I they embraced me. They brought me into their circle. So I think of even that for Ron Guidry, you talk about it, Jake. You were a kid. I was a kid, even though I grew up a Mets fan. Uh, you couldn't help in New Jersey, why, you know, looking at what the Yankees did in the 70s. And this is where I know this is going to spaz on Mets fans. And maybe, figure you can chime in too because you played on multiple teams. I still have the royal blue and orange in my heart. But when you get drafted by the Yankees out of high school, three years later, I'm pitching at Yankee Stadium. I get traded to Toronto, win World Series. I sign with the Marlins, and now I'm with the Mets. You know, it's like, okay, uh, who, who, what, I, I, you know, I mean, who am I rooting for? <laughs> I'm rooting for the damn uniform I'm wearing. And I always say this about my friend. You know, you're a big Mets fan. Like, oh, I hate the Yankees. Yeah, die. And then you're like, oh, you have a young little kid. And he grows up and he happens to be a really great player. And with the 13th pick uh, in the first round of the 2035 draft, Joey was drafted by the Yankees. And Joey's dad is pissed off because he's a Mets fan. Guess what Joey's dad is going to be wearing? Freaking Met Yankee hats. Anybody out there that says otherwise, they're BSing you. You have over 30 years of experience built up with the different connections that you've made and even going into being an analyst. I know you're around guys like Plesak and all those guys over there at MLB Network. So you guys are constantly talking baseball. It's a baseball think tank. And I love that about it because your level of experience and then you add on the fact that you've laced up the cleats and you've been on the mound in the pressure cooker situations, and you can say, after they say all the things about the analytics and all the things about those projections, you can go, I don't think he has what it takes to fail because you have had success and you have failed. It's how you bounce back from that failure, and only you can speak about that. They could speak about the numbers, but it's you, the human element, and the person who's actually done it at the highest of levels in the biggest of games, game seven. That's what I, I, I admire most about you. And so when I had a chance to go into uh, being an analyst and, and being, a, I, I watched you guys. I watched you. I watched Ron Darling and, and, and Plesak and all you guys at MLB Network to try to hone my craft and be able to explain the game through those experiences. And I have to commend you for that. So you're not just another voice in the room. Let's be very, very clear. Al, you, you, we talk about Jack and you know the, the lockdown mode he gets, and he might get it from you because you pitched in so many big games. I mean, you won three World Series. You started Game Seven of the '97 World Series. Uh, you you pitched in the World Series for the Mets, obviously. What was it about you in those big games? Did you just enter lockdown mode? Did you, were you, you consider yourself a big game pitcher? Look, I, I I had some clunkers too. I didn't get out of the first inning in uh, Game Six of the. 1999 uh, LCS against the Braves, which really pissed me off. I was actually warming up. Bobby Valentine in game five came down because I was pitching game six. You have the off day after game five. We're flying Atlanta. And that was also we had to win the game, right? And that's why he wasn't sure. So I was warming up. By the way, when Robin Ventura hit the grand slam single, I was in the bullpen. I was the only guy down there. And I came running out with like the bullpen coach and the, or, uh, the bullpen catcher, Rack. He's actually still there. Yeah, so that. But anyway, Jake, what I what I learned was something that I learned from somebody who I miss to this day, passed away five years ago, Harvey Dorfman, the mental game of pitching or the mental ABCs of pitching and the mental game of baseball. I know, I know Nelly knows all about it because it was like the, it was like the Bible of every minor league baseball player. I got to a place, Jake, where I knew what my job was. And while I wanted to throw a no-hitter, I wanted to throw a shutout, I wanted to throw a great game, that's not a pitcher's job. 
And I understood so long as you stay in that space and you understand the tangible aspect of what your job is, which is, I don't want to put Figgy on the spot, I'll just answer it, is the job of a pitcher is to be mentally and physically prepared to execute a quality pitch consecutively until either the manager takes the ball or the game is over with a major caveat X factor, which really plays in a place like New York. Don't allow the exterior distractions to come into the task at hand. So does it sound like something that something I have a book? You're damn right it is. But it's actually very real and it's, it's applicable. And when players, and I can guarantee Figgy will tell you his stories, when he was locked in, quote unquote, and in the zone, quote unquote, and after that performance, you say, oh, Nelson Figueroa, you pitched a great game. What were you thinking? You know what? I wasn't thinking anything. I was thinking about looking at the glove. I knew the hitter, exploit his weakness, and I got after it. Pounding the zone, executing the pitch. You know, as soon as the ball leaves my hand, you know, I have no control. You know, defense, umpire makes bad call, whatever. You know, and then it's just pages of a book. Click, 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 click. And then you look up and you see Pokey Reese hits a double down the left field line at 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 uh, Synergy Field, the old. Uh, Riverfront, and I'm getting the ball back from Ray Ordonez in 1999, the extra playoff game, and I saw the one hit for the Reds to go to two hits, and we were winning, and, and I turn around, and I'm telling you as I tell you this now, guys, I turned and stood on the mound. I knew it was a good game. It was 5 nothing, and I was like, holy I had a one-hitter? I was so like, I was, I was so, you know, I was so in that like either a jinx, you know, karma, like hey, don't, you know, keep going, like don't think in it, you know. So it's true, it's true. If you guys watch the for, for the love of the game. Oh my God, I was just about to say that. I was waiting for you to pause so I could get that in there. That is the truest of that whole uh, clearing the mechanism. Yeah, that's what it's about. All right, Jake, do you know what Figgy's talking about? I mean, I know the movie. I don't. You guys are like pitching, for, pitching for uh, you know geniuses over here. So I, I'm the outsider. All right, so listen, Jake. Ball. Yeah, but you would sound impressive uh, the next time that you're allowed to uh, sit at a bar somewhere and have some beers <laughs> okay. with your buddy. Go after this. Go on and put Kevin Cosner for the love of the game. Clear the mechanism, and it's like a. They, it's now like a three minute snippet of the movie where Cosner he's on the end of his career. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's going to Stadium spit for his Tigers. Just. Uh, that's it. That's my tease. And it, it's that, as Biggie said, and I know it because I've actually shared that with people uh, that play. I'm like, boom, this is this is where you want to be, where you shut all the crap out. And it's just, boom, make a pitch, make a pitch, make a pitch, make a pitch. Yeah. It's always been about executing, right? And so going back to the human factor, we see with these statistical geniuses and they come out and they tell you something like this. Wins don't matter. How does that make you feel as a starting pitcher? Come on, Nelly. First of all, do we? We're talking I mean, to the first really... guy that beat all thirty teams in the big leagues here in Alida. So wins matter to you. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Thank you, Jake. So listen, if you, yeah, again, like this isn't like some like crabby you know rip on people that never played, but the win for a starting pitcher or any pitcher, but starting pitcher is it's a it's a terrific beyond carrot. Now, is it indicative as to what kind of year he had? No, I'm not saying that. I look at my 1998 year. I had 17 wins. My ERA was two four seven. There was guys that had higher ERAs and they had more wins. But it's pretty good. And you know what? I'll take the 17 wins. It's, it's a nice thing. When when people who aren't statisticians or aren't in the sabermetric community and don't understand analytics, and they'll they'll ask Figgy, they'll say, uh, Figgy, did you play in the big leagues? Mm-hmm. Figgy, yes, yes. How, yes, how many years? You, how many how, how many years did you get in? Parts of nine. And you're, you're a pitcher, right? Yes, I am. How many wins did you have? 
like I, I'm just I'm just saying like I the B total most oh, I'm sorry I had 20 I was a 20 game winner Al let's leave it at that I was a 20 <laughs> game winner it took me nine years right. but I was a 20 game winner but you know so they so they go there and it's just to say to say oh uh I we I we don't win the game the pitcher doesn't win the game uh, but my fifth was uh 2.1 and my ERA plus was, and my WRC, I'm like, no, man. Nerd. Let's keep it, let's keep it I, I love, you know what I love? I love it's your accent. Like they, the you I lost, you lost the Jersey accent. That's the revenge the of the nerds accent. accent it's yeah. amazing. That's the other thing. When they say about RBIs, it said it's not true. Statistically, it proves that it's not true. Let me tell you something. George Bell and Joe Carter were the runner at third base with less than two outs. I didn't want to throw him anything in the area code because the dude wanted an RBI. And they could say, the statisticians could tell me all that. Well, I'm just Al, I, I'm just telling you, it doesn't prove out. Bull, stand on the mound, knowing the dudes that were crapping in their pants because they didn't want to have to hit second and third with two out. And the other dudes that couldn't wait to get up there, even if they failed, because they wanted the RBI. And just like a pitcher. I mean, I played with Tommy Glavin, right? I mean, you know, brave, great Hall of Famer, won his 300th with the Mets. And Glav's thing was, I don't care how bad I felt, I'm going to try to make 33, 32, 33 starts every year. And I'm going to try to stay out there as long as I can because there's a lot of wins from the fifth to the eighth inning. 2-2 game, you give up three early, you kind of figured out a way, you got through a few quick innings, you know, and all of a sudden your team gets one in the fifth and you're still down by two. And then all of a sudden they get one in the sixth and they get two in the seventh and you win the game. You know, I want that guy. That's a dude. Like, yeah, I, I get that. Like, he wants to be in the game. And those are your, those are your front-end, reliable, stalwart pitchers that you rely on. Al Leiter is joining us. Al, we, we're going to have to have you on a couple more times to talk about your career because we could talk to you for hours no, about that. No, Biggie's going to be texting me and bothering me for months. Do yeah, not do good, that. Good, yeah. <laughs> Let's wait uh, a couple years. Yeah, a couple years. Well, <laughs> no. I, I don't worry. I'm gonna tweet out where I uh, the uh, what was it? The autocorrect really kind of ruined it for us. I'll, I'll explain later on. So if you're listening to this now, uh, take a look at my Twitter because I'm gonna have to take a screenshot of the autocorrect disaster that happened between me and Al, and I lost contact with him for like six months. Oh no, autocorrect uh, always does that. Well, we want to talk 2021 Mets before we let you go, Al. Do you want to give us the scoop? Is Francisco Lindor working on an extension? Is Conforto? Are we getting one or both of them extended this month? Ah. I would hope that, well, I would hope we get both. And I, um, look, they, they want both. They, 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 they want these guys. So now it's, now it's the, how much, how many years, you know, play that game. They didn't trade for Francisco Lindor in a walk year and trade the players that they did to not aggressively and comparatively with a fair market offer to uh, not try to sign him. Yeah, no, and Michael's in the same boat. Obviously, you know, with it, it's your guy. Uh, Boris is going to be... You know he's he's a tough guy. So for just for just for pure looking at the makeup of this roster, knowing both of these guys, because I love Frankie. I know he's not having a great spring, but so what? Uh, he's a great player to me. Uh, he is that that superstar. Uh, you know, kind of change the division player. I've been wanting him for for a couple of years actually. And Michael, you couldn't get you couldn't get more of a nicer person and a hell of a hitter in Conforto. So yeah, I hope both of them get locked up. Is this a World Series team? Do you think they're good enough to be there with the Dodgers? Uh, yeah, I do. The Dodgers are still the premium team, without question. I don't think they're, you know, to be delusional there. Look, the National League's going to be tough. I know Pocota came out, and I think they said their Mets are going to win like 96 games. I don't know where the heck they come up with that. Uh, I think the Mets are better. There's really significantly greater depth. I think much uh, is going to be on the pitch. I think you'll get enough 
offense for sure. And then uh, hopefully the defense will be, you know, improved because they needed to improve it. Uh, Lindor is really going to help it. I think McNeil being solidified at second. Alonzo's been uh, better in spring. Davis has looked good. So I, I think McCann's going to be better behind the dish. Uh, I like the depth, especially Trevor May pick up. Uh, don't sleep on Aaron Loop. I, I really like what I saw in the World Series. Um, let's see uh, with Lugo. I don't think it was a, a super significant uh, type surgery. So, you know, he'd sit, settle in nicely somewhere in the bullpen. Familia. Yeah, I, 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 there's some depth there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful there. I think, you know, really, let's see the timeline for in the guard and when he comes back because that would be a huge boost if you get kind of that, that trade pickup deadline guy that, you know, I always talk about your own guy comes back you know, when they're healthy and you pick them, you know, they start somewhere in uh, July. I, I wouldn't be too aggressive with him just to make sure that there's no setback. Taiwan Walker, I think, is going to be a, a kind of an under-the-radar X factor. Certainly, Stroman in a walk here. We know DeGrom, why well, I mentioned him. I think he's the best pitcher on the planet. Stroman, I like the idea that he's, you know, playing for a contract. You always want that character, guys. I've always liked uh, Carrasco. And let's see what, you know, Peterson, uh, I don't know what you get out of Joey Lucchese. You know, so there's, yeah, I like this team. Um, in, in long, Jake, I like this team a lot. We can go rip through every team. I think the National League East is going to be really difficult. The Nationals are better. The Phillies are better. The Braves are better. I mean, I mean, again, I don't want to give Dakota too much credit, but how the hell they got them like, like 82 and 80? I don't, I don't get that. I think they're actually right there with the Mets. Marlins are not going to be easy. Yeah, this is a tough division. A three-time World Series champion, a two-time All-Star, but number one in our hearts here on Amazing But True. That's Al Leiter, and he's the baseball operations advisor for the Mets, and you can see him on MLB Network. You can follow him on Twitter. Twitter at Al Leiter 22. You can watch his son Jack play for Vanderbilt and pitch and maybe one day talk to us on Amazing But True or wherever the hell we are in 10 years. Um, <laughs> Al, uh, great talking to you and hope to uh, chat with you again down the road. Let's go Mets. Yeah, good talking to you guys. That says hasta luego to episode 37, the Casey Stengel edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thank you to Jake and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Give Amazing But True a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Gracias, mi amigo. For Nelson Figueroa and his Espanol Academy, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back next Monday and every Monday in March. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.